This call is being recorded. Uh, thank you again. Uh, welcome to episode uh, eight of the Banter Pub podcast, Banter Pub FC podcast. I'm sorry. Uh, my name is Neil. Uh, with me this week are Ama, Joseph, Jonathan, and Sheldon. Uh, gentlemen, uh, good afternoon, good evening. How's everybody doing? Fantastic. Oh, you know, you know, just uh, living that quarantine dream, as uh, as they say. Um, quarantine dreaming. Quarantine dreaming out here, boy. Just got to <laughs> make it work. But yeah, apart from that, I am, as the kids say, Gucci. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so let's get right into it. Last week, we were going to talk about, uh, or we hinted at, rather, we talked about uh, this week kind of bringing up some great matches, particularly in the Prem, uh, from our respective clubs that folks, if they are looking for things to watch, if they are looking for clubs to support, obviously we're, you know, this isn't an opportunity for us to pitch our own clubs, obviously, you know, <laughs> record 21, speak to them, speak for themselves. Um, Here we go. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, if I, I, I think with the, you know, with the, with the way of the world and, and how folks are trying to look for uh, a, a escape um, outside of Tiger King, uh, we certainly want to make sure um, uh, Carol Baskin is not involved with the prem uh, or, 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 you know, or the FA, but it certainly feels like it sometimes. Um, uh, but yeah, you know, I'm curious. Uh, I think we started with, what is there? I think we started with Arsenal. So Ama and Joseph, you, do you have some matches uh, that uh, stick out to you for folks that are trying to get into the prem, trying to get into what Arsenal fo- football club is all about? Um, some 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 great matches, not not individual, but team matches that you think stick out to y'all. Yeah, this is Ama. Let me let me go first real quick um, because I, I suspect that Joseph will have like uh, a, a serious historical significance around whatever he selects. <laughs> I I'm gonna go with just flat out emotion, right? Like, and um, and Sheldon made a good suggestion earlier about. You know, pitch one match, suggest one match that you actually watched and another match that um, might have been before your time. Um, I'm a 0405 convert uh, to the Arsenal Massive. And so one of one of the matches from recent memory um, that I really appreciate is the North London Derby from last season where um, we come back and destroy uh, destroy the other, that the other club who's uh, trying to act like they're a big club. Fortitude. <laughs> it's it's a fantastic <laughs> match. It's got you know it's got like handbags. It's I don't we didn't have a red card, but it has it has everything that you want. There's drama. There's a whole ebb and flow. There's arcs to the story, right? So there are different phases. Um, of the game and it's it's a wonderful ride um uh to to experience i recently watched it again and it just felt felt like yesterday so that's my my one from recent memory one that i watched and then there is uh the one that i wish i had watched live was when arsenal won the league at anfield in 1989. Sigh. You know, <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, I, I watched that. I watched that because you know it went down to the wire. Um, I watched that again in the last uh, couple of weeks, um, and and it was a fantastic feeling. Um, just watching, watching it happen because you know we haven't had title decider matches super late in the season in the recent uh, recent past. And so uh, that was like when it was a proper title decider, right? And so I wish I'd lived through that. I wish I'd, you know, experienced that live. Um, so there's those are my those are my two um, 
and quick aside, eighty nine. There's a there's a movie about that that particular match, the documentary that um, the my local St. Louis Arsenal America branch uh, watched early. Watched together at a pub, in our our designated pub, um, and it was it was a great experience to to share that with um, the, the fans in my area. So. Watch the North London Derby from last season, and then watch the time we won the league at Anfield in 1989. Joseph, fellow gunner, what what say you? Mmm, there's loads of tasty moments. Um, loads, really. But um, to answer the question, um, name one match you saw live and one legendary match before your time that you'd recommend to your fellow supporters to rewatch during quarantine. All right, so a match that I saw live. Um, so for the uninitiated, growing up, um, my family has always kind of had a really weird split. There are a handful of Spurs supporters. There are a handful of Chelsea supporters. And there are also a handful of Arsenal supporters, us being, you know, um, at least on, on my dad's side of the family. On my mom's side of the family, um, you know, Leeds United. My dad um, was a yeah. Queens Park Rangers fan, um, and none of none of these none of these clubs grabbed me. So, um, you know, then I see Eric Cantona doing the business, and uh, it wasn't. It didn't take too much more. Um, it didn't take too much more things uh, convincing for me to go ahead and run with Man United for a bit. That's right. Fast forward to uh, post Ferguson era. I thought it, uh, I thought Moyes should have gotten more time, even though I thought his, you know, he probably would have gotten sacked the very next season, but he did deserve more time. Um, I thought Louis van Gaal was probably the worst decision in terms of making an appointment to replace him. If you're looking for that attacking football, um, considering his tactical setup and also how much of an odious man that he really and truly is. There's a reason why the legends of Barcelona, like Rivaldo and Ronaldo and them lot, um, celebrated his leaving the team yep. when he eventually did. Mm-hmm. I will leave it at that. Um, for anybody who's interested in reading about that, Jonathan Winter does a very excellent uh, uh, write-up on that Barcelona squad and Louis van Gaal's period there. Success isn't everything. Which brings me to <sighs> Jose Mourinho. That man is a cancer. And I say that because... <laughs> While there was so much wrong with the club going forward, Mourinho came in and pretty much was like, he was like the death note. He was like the death knell. And I've never liked Jose Mourinho, and I will never like Jose Mourinho. And he is, quite frankly, the straw that broke an already loaded camel's back. So I was pretty much without a football club for a while. Um, I was pretty despondent with it. And then... Um, big up my man uh, Midas back in, uh, in, in the UK. He's been Arsenal through and through, and he had been on at me for like five years to drop my support, my lifelong support of Man United, and come support the Arsenal. One day he calls me, and he says, I've got an extra ticket going spare to the Emirates. We're playing Crystal Palace tonight. What are you saying? And I said, you know what? Fair. And I said, uh, and I said but, you know, I hope that they don't like mob me in the in the Arsenal end where we're going to be sitting <laughs> because you know I hadn't yet become an Arsenal supporter yet I was still pretty much you know football footballing wise still homeless that match happened to be the match where Olivier Giroud scored that scorpion kick I saw that wow. live right yeah. in front of me in the flesh wow. in the flesh So, in terms of one match that I saw live that I would recommend um, supporters follow, just for that goal and the build-up play, watch that. Watch that, and you will get just a taste of what Arsenal have pretty much been about since Wenger arrived from Japan. Um, One legendary... Just don't ask ask Queen Benzema to watch it. What was that? Sorry, what? Just don't ask Kareem Benzema to watch it. That's yeah, true. don't ask him to watch that. Don't ask him to watch that. Man's in his feelings right now, and you know what? You know, I too would be in my feelings if people loved um, my replacement 
more than me. But then again, my replacement didn't blackmail a fellow teammate with a sex tape. Meanwhile, um, <laughs> meanwhile, um, the legendary match that I would choose, honestly, it's not a win, but it's not a loss either. But it's absolutely incredible. Arsenal, Liverpool, 4-4, Anfield. Arshavan scores four goals. I have, I just, it's just, it is absolutely dynamite football. And it's not a slight on any of the sides. I do believe that is a legendary match. Like, that match is ridiculous. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Even Martin Tyler commentating is absolutely incredulous watching what he's seeing going on on the pitch. It's 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 nothing short of um, just end-to-end stuff, exciting, brilliant goals throughout from both sides. But for Arshavin to score four goals and his really weird trademark celebrations, which I found out that the reason why he sticks his tongue out like he does is because he's emulating one of his heroes in Michael Jordan. Um, and it's it's great. I would honestly... You know, and and that's also something that I would say, and you know, it's a perfect segue to you, Sheldon. I would say that's also a match that you know Liverpool supporters will probably remember, you know, fondly. Nobody lost, everybody won, even though it was a draw because the action was just that brilliant, the play was that brilliant. But Arshavin was definitely man of the match for that uh, for that period. And you know what? You know, I, I just, I just, it's it's just great. Um, another one, other honourable mention for legendary match, I would say, um, would be the time that Sylvan Wiltor scored the winner at Old Trafford. Um, big, big moment, huge moment, and legend. And it's a legendary call from Martin Tyler, as I mentioned him earlier, when he goes Wiltor, and it's just like, I don't think anybody has won the league at Old Trafford since, if I remember rightly. I'm a feel free to correct me on that. But... I think it's a one or two. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know if somebody else has done it. I know Pogba definitely made sure City didn't do it. <laughs> Why are you holding my anyway? Uh, anyway, before you get me, since since uh, Joseph did segue to you, let's go to Sheldon. <laughs> we're moving it, we're moving along so quickly. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saving the best for last. That's what mm-hmm. so, oh, right. okay. Okay, is that what we're calling it? Is that what we're calling right. it? Um, so, yeah. So, look, um, the, the, the game that I saw live that I would tell folks to watch um, is probably not surprising to, to anyone, um, but it is last year's game, semifinal game against Barca. Um, and I say that because, first of all, it's just an amazing game, period, as a Liverpool fan. But it's also when people talk about and don't I, – I can already hear the, the whistles and the, the jeers and the banter coming from what I'm about to say from this – you know, comparing it to this year. But if, when they talk about what Anfield Knights are, when they talk about the, the – the impact that Anfield brings, that was last year. I mean, I remember watching and going into the game. I mean, I was very much so like, look, this is Barca, you know, let's just, you know, have a go. But, you know, I I was kind of um, resigned to the idea that it would have to be next year, right? And I can tell you as soon as, uh, I think Genie scored first, um, and then you started to believe, and you started to just see again the energy that we brought to the game. Um, and as the game wore on, you know, people were playing out of his mind. Genie was—I mean, there was one point where Genie Wijnaldum uh, juked like two or three Barca players, and I'm like, "What? What is this?" <laughs> Where, what is going on? Like, it just, it just all felt so right. And then, you know, the one play from the match that will go down in Liverpool history is corner taken quickly. Um, I mean, I watched that and I literally was like, wait, what? It, what wait, what? Does that count? Because it just, I, I mean, I've literally never seen 
a corner like that, never seen a play like that, never seen, especially at at that point in time when it was like this is absolutely what was needed to, uh, you know, get us over the hump. And um, so, yeah, if you if you have an opportunity, go ahead and and watch that game. Like I said, it's got uh, everything about uh, what the club, uh, you know, Lord says, uh, you know, mixed up in there. And particularly against Barca, I, I, I'll add one little historical, personal historical note there too. It was really meaningful for me beyond all of the obvious reasons because I, my wife's cousin, um, he has been teasing, he had been teasing me for like at least four years about, you know, comparing Barca to Liverpool. Oh, you know, talk to me when you guys win something. Talk to me when you guys win something. Da, 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 da. You know, I don't want to hear about, you know, back in the day. Talk to me about right now. And so once that game was over, I trolled the heck out of him. I trolled him nonstop. And it just felt so great. So, um, yeah, if you have an opportunity to go watch that, um, one other game, as honorable mention from one that I saw, uh, would be um, Dortmund in um, another uh, semifinal game uh, against in Dortmund in Europa League. Um, that one was, again, another, like, this is what Anfield uh, is about. Uh, well, not Anfield, but this is what Liverpool is about. Um, you know, I'm actually, no, I think we were, we were at home. So, yeah, this is what Anfield is about. It's like one of those moments where, again, we're down, um, you know, uh, down a few goals. It looks like it's all over. And then I think um, Lovering got the final goal in, in stoppage time. So imagine um, of all people to kind of seal the deal. Um, so that's another good one. Uh, a legendary match that... I would say go and watch, and that I have gone back and watched a couple times is um, the Champions League final uh, in 05, um, you know, in Istanbul. And that was just an amazing game to watch. I mean, again, it's like if you were playing FIFA and, you know, you go down 3 nothing, you know, you break the controller, you cut the game off, you know, whatever. Like, that's what you would have done. Um, you know, and it happened so quickly, so just emphatically that first half. And so, again, you're down 3 nothing against a, a historic team in the final. Haven't really done much that first half. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, uh, bing, bang, boom, it's 3-3. Three, three. Um, and it's, it was just, like I said, it's just one of those games where, um, you could see how much it meant to the the um, the fans, how much it meant to the players. You know, you've got Stevie G doing his thing, you got Jolly doing his thing. Um, you know, a lot of great uh, historical, you know, um, you know, legend, Liverpool legends doing their thing. Even you know, we we went down a uh, where things go down a man, but you know, have an injury that you're dealing with early on. And so, again, it just didn't look like it was in the cards for us. But um, to win that, uh, again, on PKs as well, that was just – that is up the ante of just the, the drama. And I, I, I had to put this – you know, it may have been sort of obvious, but I had to choose this one as well because, I mean, they made a, they made a movie about it. Any time they make a movie about, you know, the night in Istanbul, then, you know, it's, it's something that you should go – and check out. Um, and so uh, I do have an honorable mention, uh, which is just the, uh, what some people have called the greatest Premier League game ever, um, which is our game against Norwich, um, where we won, I'm sorry, it was Newcastle 4-3. Um, and uh, that again was end-to-end -end action, winner in stoppage time. So um, again, that was, that was another good one as an honorable mention. So. Thank you, Sheldon. Uh, Jonathan, do you have any city recommendations? I know, you know, y'all, y'all don't really have a lot of a history, but. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I was going to say, I don't know if he's going to have a legendary one, but... Uh... <laughs> they certainly don't have any legends because there's no one outside the Etihad Stadium besides ghosts, so... <laughs> well, the ironic part is that we lasted, we've existed longer than Manchester United, and when United Old Trafford was bombed by the Germans, they had to play in our stadium for about uh, five or six years. That's correct. They did have to play at Main Road. That's correct. But then again, going back to what Neil was saying, you know, he's not entirely inaccurate when he says there's nothing but ghosts. Even Main Road has been smashed down and turned into flats. So. <laughs> and, and I mean, banter aside, well, no, actually, this is banter. They did decide to bomb Old Trafford and not the uh, the city stadium. So you know, I mean, like, yeah, what, like, what is they, the what's the target? Yeah. The, Nazi, the, the Nazis, <laughs> the Nazis, the Nazis, target. the Nazis literally looked at Old Trafford and said, Mm-mm, "That's a threat. We can't have that." And then somebody <laughs> turned to them and said, "And said, Mindfuhrer, what about Main Road?" And they said, "What?" That's exactly what Hitler said. True facts. Anyway, right. Jonathan, please, please, the floor is yours, sir. <laughs> well, obviously, uh, Main Road don't have many memories anymore because it doesn't exist. But you know, uh, City of Manchester Stadium, aka the Etihad, we have plenty of memories. So for People that want to get into the Premier League, look no further than uh, May 13, 2012, um, 3-2 match against QPR, um, match 38, title decider, snatching defeat, uh, snatching victory out of the jaws of defeat. Uh, you know, imagine City, we have a, a typical phrase. Um, which is called the uh, typical city because, um, as I mentioned before, we tend to snatch defeat as a draw the victory a lot, a lot of that history. And um, the Premier League title was one, one of the moments uh, where we, I thought, okay, here we go again. We about to blow this huge opportunity um, to win the Premier League. Um, so, <clears throat> You know, not only were QPR ten men down um, uh, halfway through the halfway through the match, but um, you know, it, we we talked about Otamendi um, uh, these last few seasons not being at his best, um, but still being a champion. Uh, in twenty twelve, Otamendi the Otamendi um, that we think of now was Julian Lescott. Uh, he had such a nightmare match um, the entire game. Uh, and was the reason, my view of things, my history, is the reason why we went down 2-1. Um, two QPR despite having 10 men. But um, it's just, I think the things we think about the Premier League, about being, uh, you know, similar to the Liverpool Arsenal match was 4-4. It was fast-paced. Um, it was drama. Um just in the context of it, because we were <clears throat> eight points down to Manchester United um, earlier uh, in that month, um, and we thought the, the league was wrapped up um, to them. However, United uh, dropped points, um, uh, and we beat them at, at, at the Etihad. Um, it was still called City of Manchester Stadium at the time to uh, tie tie in points. And it came out to the final match. Uh, United, they had just won um, one nil against Sunderland. Um, I can't forget because I remember seeing it on the screen uh, as they were doing the, the dual screens at the time. And <laughs> at 1-2 at uh, QPR, I was just like, I was just so defeated. Like, I didn't even want to watch, I didn't want to watch the match anymore. <laughs> I was just like, damn, we're going to let these people win again um we're gonna have sir alex uh with his use the his real word you called him 
Uh, <laughs> old Bacon Face Ferguson is going to be out there cheesing. Wow! Uh, <laughs> That's what you're okay. All right. Wow! Wow! Old Bacon Ferguson. Yikes, man said. Man said. Man said. Man said. Bacon Face? And he's knighted. Any city manager has been knighted? I don't think so. Slur so. Alex Ferguson, uh, aka wow. Baker okay. Face, right. aka Slur Alex Ferguson, <laughs> <laughs> aka Baker Face, aka Tiger. That was that was that burning image in my head. It's like he's gonna be celebrating, uh, <sighs> hugging up all his players, and this is gonna be embarrassing. It's gonna be embarrassing for the city of Manchester to see this happen. Um, and then, you know, so I, I was I was defeated. I was like, typical city again. Um, to see um, from the corner, because we were still attacking. We were still like, it was like we were doing everything we had to do, but we were not putting a shot on target. And if we were putting a shot on target, it was getting saved. Until a corner in the 90th, uh, 91st minute, Edin's echo, 2-2. I was like, okay, all right. My heartbeat is, is coming back. It was racing a little bit. It's like, all right. All right, be good, be good, be good. Oh my gosh! And you know, I, I was just I was reading um, on Twitter that uh, with Balotelli, he's only had one assist his entire Premier League career, um, playing for Liverpool and City, um, and that and that assist was to Sergio Aguero um, in the ninety second minute, thirtieth second. Um, I know uh, Joseph, you were talking about uh, Tyler uh, uh, yelling out Will Torres' name, uh, but you know, this is the my opinion, obviously because bias, the greatest Premier League game. Just just for the fact that we had to come back from two goals, we had to win. We couldn't even draw. We had to win the match. We came back from two goals down in the 90th in extra time. To just just hearing Martin Tyler just yell Aguero, like he was like had the biggest exhilaration in his life. It's like, yeah. man, and you're typically not a City fan, so I'm really excited for this. And I I jumped for Jesus. I, I couldn't be more excited what happened. I was like racing down, almost slipped and busted my behind on the on the tile floor, um, just running around my house like screaming at the top of my lungs. I couldn't believe it. Like I, I still be watching. I, I rewatched like the fans uh, in the crowd to this day when when um, Aguero was like around in the corner about to and testing the keeper. Oh my gosh! And just not only was that that was beautiful because we won we ever we didn't win a Premier League for like fifty something years. That was our first Premier League title in fifty something years. And also seeing the dual screen, <laughs> seeing uh, Sir Al- Slur Alex Ferguson's face. <laughs> Phil Jones' face. <laughs> uh, when they were so excited just to see them lose, uh, just to see them lose the title uh, to Sergio Girls' goal. And I remember, like, Sunderland fans uh, clapping and cheering on, even though they they didn't win, um, and they were clear, they didn't get relegated either. So they were clear from relegation and just rubbing it in the United States' faces. Like, that was the most exhilarating moment I've ever had. Like, we won titles since then. Um, in historic fashion, coming back, coming back against Liverpool, the famous slip, and I'm blowing it. I'm surprised you didn't mention this match, uh, Sheldon, the three-three draw against QPR or I mean, against Crystal Palace. That was a that was also a Premier League classic that people should watch um, in 2014. Um, so <laughs> we've won many times in historic fashion and comeback fashion, but 2012, I will never ever forget a moment. That's like the most historic moment in our history. Um, and against our rivals too. Against our bitter rivals. So that was that was beautiful. So I would say that if any anyone wants to watch a Premier League match, they have to watch uh Manchester City versus QPR, just for the context of it. In terms of rivalries between us and United, in terms of the drama and scoring two goals in the final uh, uh three minutes of extra time. And you know the fact that we made history. Um, over our bit of rivals and made sure Sir Alex Ferguson uh, couldn't, couldn't smile that, that day or that year. 
Um, so that that was my number one for Premier League fans to watch. And one that didn't watch that was live. Uh, one that didn't watch that was live was um, um, I, it wasn't Premier League. It, it was FA Cup. Um, but um, it was Tottenham versus City, and we came back from three nil down with ten men, um, to beat Tottenham four three to advance um in the FA Cup. Um, you know, another typical city moment. Obviously, with three nil down, uh, Joey Barton, famous racist, uh, sent off at halftime for arguing with the referee. Um, and you know, the game was like the match was over. It was like, all right, well, I guess this we need to watch this. And we were at, we were at Tottenham too, so and maybe it was great. It was a good idea that we played Tottenham that match because we wouldn't have come back from three down against anybody else. Uh, and of course, it had to be Tottenham that bottles it. So, um, coming back from four 0 down, uh, three 0 down against Tottenham was uh, <laughs> was uh, That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, if you need any team to come back towards, or if you need to play a Premier League team to uh, to achieve something, uh, Tottenham is the team to play. Uh, I think that's that's my my takeaway from that match. Takeaway uh, from like football history. Uh, <laughs> so there's that, wow. and then um, uh, bonus um, again, not Premier League, but uh, it's when we we were being promoted back into the Premier League, um, coming back in the 1999 Football League Second Division, um, beating Gillingham. Which is a squad that nobody. If you're coming into Premier League, you have no idea who this team is um, because they're like I think third or fourth division now. Still, um, that was a classic. It was a two-two draw. We had to uh, win in penalties to to be promoted back into the Premier League, and um, that was a pivotal moment in in Main Road history. Uh, R.I.P. Main Road um, for us to be uh, brought back to the Premier League. So. I would say those three. Thank you. Um, so <laughs> I could throw out dates. I could throw out score lines. I could throw out August 2011 and talk about. You could throw out United. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> because I could talk about many times in which Liverpool has been stunned throughout history. Okay, history. We could go through history and go back to the 80s and the 70s and the 60s and the 50s. <laughs> I, mean, we got, I mean, at the end, at the end of the day, we you know we got to we got to um we got to show respect to the fact that only Man United could manage to come to the Emirates and have Thierry Henry score against them with a header to win a match in which they were leading one nil. Uh, so, I mean, we could talk about that. Well, we could mean, talk about that. You had the could opportunity talk. to mention it, and you didn't. So, sorry about your damn luck. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> um, uh, there are a number of matches. In, in terms of m- matches in recent memory that I think stick out to me, sorry, Jonathan, but it's going to have to be when Pogba wore his bright blue hair and everybody thought, oh, Pep convinced him to transfer to City in the summer. He's going to come. And we beat y'all. Badly. Um, yes, you went on to win the title that year. That's accurate. And, you know, <laughs> we, could, we could then further talk about uh, this season, Sheldon, when, uh, you know... Uh, United seems to be the team that tends to stop teams from their, you know, at least in recent memory, tend to stop teams from their rise to success. And we certainly did that with Liverpool. We've done that with Arsenal. We've done that with City. Um, Obviously, we didn't do that in the invincible year that Arsenal likes to talk over and over and over and over and over about. But, you know, 49, 49 on the field. Well, guess what? 21. Guys, I love this song. I love this song. Hey, Neil, which one of those 21 titles are a golden trophy? That's not important. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what we're talking about here. We're going to talk about titles. 
Huh? I'm sorry, what was the answer? None? Was that the answer? <laughs> anyway, sounds sound like Busek to me. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> a big old L, but continue. So, um, I think for me, so it, it, obviously that one sticks out to me because it had a lot, of, you know, it was in the height of um, Jose Mourinho's uh, disaster of a time at United. Uh, it, it was, it was it was peak around the time where he kind of fell out of favor, favor with a lot of members of the team, including Paul Pogba. And Pogba delivered uh, in spite of Jose basically, in part of Jose basically throwing him under the bus. Um, and he did it before the match, did it during the match, after the match, and then throughout the rest of the season before Jose, before Jose was sacked. So... Um, you know that one it sticks out for recent memory. In terms of probably, uh, I'm, I'm going to go deep, uh, deep here, uh, and uh, go back to uh, Liverpool away, 1986. That was uh, that was uh, Sir, Sir Alex Ferguson's um, inaugural match against Liverpool. Um, we didn't play them at o- at the OT. We, you know, we played them at Anfield, and he came out and said, "You know, I want to make a statement. I have to knock." He literally he's quoted as saying, "I want to I want to knock Liverpool off their perch," because for a majority of the time in the in, in the seventies, Liverpool was the squad to beat, and I make no bones about that. That said, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson, not the other nicknames that Jonathan came up with. Again, his club doesn't have a manager that's tied in. Mine does. So extra time, Fergie time for no good re- you know, they call it that for a reason. Okay? All right. Anyway, I mean, those, those, those names were good though. Those those I names mean, were really Bacon good. Bacon Face was <laughs> mad disrespectful. Bacon face is mad disrespectful, <laughs> I will say that much. But all whiskey nose. Yeah. Bro, with, like, with, with his, he said it he said it with his chest. He said it with his whole chest. And this is coming from a man who supports a club where if we remember, they had a carousel of not just managers but also owners. So let's 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 settle down. <laughs> Jonathan, you've only just found your stability, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> Not just stability, but history. Because before they had Saudi oil money, they were a, his- a club with no history. So let's just be real. Anyway, yeah, we, um, we don't need to. We don't. We also don't need to rem- bring up the fact that your shirt sponsor is now a defunct company, Thomas Cook. So really, truly, we could say that um, City killed Thomas Cook. Not the. Oh, the Panther yeah, Club does not support Arthur. Can admit they killed Vodafone. I'm only, I'm only teasing. Not really, <laughs> but go ahead. Okay. Um, so uh, again, uh, as as far as like a classic match, that that one is difficult to find online. Um, you'll 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 probably have to download the uh, Premier League app or Manchester United TV in order to get that '86 match. But um, those two. Uh, stick out to me. Obviously, there's a number of matches where we've halted titles for other clubs, where we've uh, beat clubs, uh, you know, by significant margins. Whether it be Ipswich Town nine zero, or Arsenal eight to two back in August of 2011, um, or we've you know come back from the, the jaws of uh, winning, not defeat, but winning, um, not just recently, but uh, you know against uh, Liverpool and City respectively. Um, and yeah, what, what, what uh, happened when you played Arsenal though? This what are you season? Talking? We're not talking about this season. I'm not. <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> again, again, did y'all beat us eight two in 2011? I don't think so. I don't know. What happened this season? United side scored that game. So what happened this season? We're not talking about this season. But we should. First of all, the only person who wants to talk about this season is Sheldon because he wants this season to still exist. So, you know, us talking about previous <laughs> and everything else, it, it really doesn't matter. Sheldon's the only one who, who should really be pretending this season still happening. Sheldon, Sheldon should just basically hold on to the memories of 2005 and the Champions League victory from the other season because what's going to happen 
here you know we what? go. I'm, I'm not. I'm not gonna. No, you know what? You know what, Sheldon? I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna. T- I'm gonna take the night off. I'm gonna take the night off. But you, know, <laughs> you keep dreaming. You keep dreaming. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, you know. Uh, so we hope that those uh, games, and we'll include those in the in the uh, show notes for folks that want to check out some of those matches. Some of those have links directly to a lot of the replays and to the recaps for you to check out. At least the goal scoring chances and things along that line. So. We do hope, uh, you know, the matches we recommended and the ones we uh, uh, suggested as our honorable mentions uh, were ones that will help you kind of start your Premier League uh, viewing career. Um, and yeah, um, before we move on to our next segment, um, I do want to uh, give a special mention to um Pep Guardiola, specifically for the loss of his mother as a result of the coronavirus. Uh, those of us at the Banter Pub FC podcast um, and uh, other affiliates um, fully send all of our love and condolences to the Guardiola family as uh, this was a major loss to them. Um, and uh, not, not just to Pep, but also to the rest of his family as well. So we wanted to shine some light on his family, give his family the uh, respect and love it deserves in this very difficult time as this probably is going to be the most deadly week of the coronavirus um, and the after effects. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, so uh, s- staying in the same, uh, st- st- staying in the same uh, COVID-19 slash Corona slash that Rona, um, uh, conversation. Um, I think uh, Sheldon wanted to take the floor because uh, a uh, player of uh, uh, that that we mocked in many an episode um, uh, for his uh, for 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 uh, Sheldon, including him in the uh, the Premier League, the uh, Banter Pub uh, Premier League team of the season. Um, Maybe we were wrong. Maybe he's deserved, particularly mm-hmm. after uh, some new information that just transpired as a relate of uh, as it relates to uh, the coronavirus relief. So, Sheldon, can you set, shed some light on that for the for our listeners? Oh, so talking oh, about Captain... Bigfoot Billy. Oh, <laughs> 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 oh, Captain, my Captain. Uh, yeah. So, so Hendo has. Uh, been working behind the scenes um, to gather the other captains and work with, um, you know, the other teams in the in the league to uh, put their money together and figure out how they can put their money together to support the excuse me the uh, efforts um, the medical efforts uh, um, to fight the coronavirus and so. Um, you know, there there haven't been <clears throat> excuse me many updates on exact numbers or um, you know those details. But the the short story is, you know, he really felt um, strongly about it. And and honestly, I'm sure that it's also related to this. I mean, this was before they even started trying to shame the players into to dropping their salaries. But I'm sure again that a part of this was a realization. Well. You know, if if we're going to give up our salaries, which I've not heard of um, any player who has strongly opposed it. Maybe they, you know, some of the players who don't make, uh, you know, whatever, 150 uh, or more per per week, um, you know, maybe some of those players would give less. But I've only heard good things about players being more than willing to, you know, uh, commit their funds to the... um, you know, staff, and like I said as well, more specifically in this case to the, um, you know, the first responders who are out there on the front lines. And so, um, so yeah, no, I, I definitely um, was very happy to, to see that. And again, just, you know, all jokes aside, um, this speaks to kind of the energy around Hendo that I was mentioning before, just, you know, he, from all accounts, is just that that guy um you know he's that leader he's <clears throat> excuse me he's he's able to rally folks to 
do um, things greater than any of them individually. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the story there. Thank you, Sheldon. And that kind of sheds a light on um, something that uh, was sparked um, before we wrap up uh, a, a greater conversation about uh, that, as you touched on, which is the uh, player pay um, and their wages as it relates to whether that be the team garnishing that, um, whether that be to uh, because there's for all intents and purposes right now, the team, the, the league isn't suspended, it's paused. So the thought process would be from the owners. The conversation has been, well, do we stop the payment, paying the players? Um, now players, you know, depending on, um, how much they, you know, are, you know, where they are on the team sheet, uh, to a certain extent are being paid in the hundreds of thousands. Um, and then, uh, you know, players who are younger are being paid in the couple thousands, uh, um, particularly players on the youth teams and things like that. And I think, uh, it, it's something that we talked about extensively in the WhatsApp group, um, ver varying opinions, um, you know, and I think, it, I, I think it's open for discussion for, for, for this particular episode, um, uh, as a final segment to kind of get everyone's kind of sense of where uh, not necessarily they stand on the issue of players wages versus um, owners giving money towards relief or anything like that. I mean, I know in, for instance, Leicester city's case, losing their owner in a helicopter accident on the grounds, they're still paying off that debt, right? There, there is still a significant level of grief that that club this year is dealing with. Um, and not just the, and not just the owners and not just the players, but also the fans, um, obviously with some players testing positive for coronavirus, that's a concern as well, particularly in the Premier League, but also across the world, there's a lot of players testing positive. So, um, they need that money for their own healthcare. There's a lot there, you know, there's a larger conversation about players testing positive and being on the mend because they have access to the test and they have access to the resources because they're paid well, because they're a part of a team. Um, you know, last week we talked, you know, in, in last week's episode, we talked about a player on Ajax who isn't a player on Ajax anymore, who just recovered from a two-year coma. It's not Corona related, obviously, but it's related to the sense that this is a player who had access, who at the time when he was in a coma had access to Ajax's healthcare system and then was cut the minute he came out of the coma. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's one of those kinds of things where I'm curious from, from everyone, um, kind of, as we've kind of talked about uh, the varying levels of support that players should be giving, not just uh, Hendo at Liverpool, but also, you know, uh, Marcus Rashford has done a, a, a significant amount of support to kids in uh, Manchester. I know there's been a significant amount of work from both Manchester City and Manchester United uh, particularly about supporting and helping uh, the Manchester City, uh, or I'm sorry, supporting the city of Manchester um, during this recovery effort, during this relief effort. So I know there's been a lot of support from the clubs specifically. I know Manchester United players took a 30% pay cut in order to support the city of Manchester. Um, and yeah, I'm just curious what everyone's thoughts were, because I know it, 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 it th this conversation sparked a lively discussion in the WhatsApp group and I don't, and I don't want to dedicate too much time to it because we're wrapping up the episode, but I do want to dedicate some time to this conversation because it sparked a, a very lively conversation in the WhatsApp group. So. Can I, can I jump in? Cause I don't sure. think I've spoken too much about it, but I did, um, I did look up the PFA's response. Right, because we've seen you know activity from individual clubs or individual players or groups of players, players at different clubs. But all these professional footballers are represented in England by the PFA, and so you know the the last statement I that I had seen from them discussed their concern about making kind of willy nilly coming coming to a compromise that that disadvantaged players in the lower league teams who are under who are um, who play for who are in a much um, more constrained environment the players right. don't make as much they depend on what they make you know to live um, from the and the clubs themselves 
helps me in the clubs from a financial standpoint. And and so their interest was in protecting all the players, but specifically focusing on kind of League One, League Two, and so on. And so um, I I thought that was um, it was good to know that you know like an organize there is an organized response to the demand that seems to be happening. This clamor for oh yeah, players should just give up their contractual the, the contractually agreed upon uh, salaries. Um, whereas we haven't squeezed the blood from the rock that is the, the that is the the, the clubs um, that they that they represent. And so my my take was, you know, obviously um, different players have different contracts, different folks have different means. It's like, please uh, allow for folks to give what they can. Don't mandate an across the board policy for for players and like and understand that it takes both the playing and non-playing staff to make football happen. It may football without fans also is terrible. We you know the, we talked prior about the, um, playing the playing out the rest of the season without um, in the closed in closed stadiums, and so even that will put pressure on the NHS, um, given that you have to have staff there. So right. all that to say, there has to be a nuanced approach. And, you know, so each according to their, you know, each should give according to what they they have and what they can afford. And please protect the folks lower on the footballing pyramid um, and, and the folks that make, the rest of the folks behind the scenes that make football happen for all of us to enjoy. Yep, anyone else? Yeah. Anyone I know, yeah, I know. Just one, one final thing to add to the, sure. the whole pressure that is people are putting on um, the Premier League players, as opposed to the club owners, the league admins, the networks yeah. that broadcast it and spend billions upon billions every two to three years for the rights to the the match and things of that nature. You know, uh, I just need to make this abundantly clear. When Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi of all people basically stepped up and said they are not playing until it's safe to play, um, that was pretty much the time for everybody else to kind of like fall in in rank and basically be like, yeah, no, that's definitely definitely what's going to happen. The rush for all of these administrations and suits to go ahead and, as we've talked about in previous episodes, to go ahead and restart or continue the season in some capacity has just been absolutely shocking, really, because it's, well, shocking, appalling. It's just been appalling. It's really and truly that nothing should matter more than supporting our frontline staff, our first response, uh, frontline staff on the the medical field, our first responders, uh, and basically lighting a fire up under... um, Uh, administrations in certain countries who've had woeful responses to the pandemic, who we not mention here because we don't have time. Um, But, you know, we should be lighting a fire up under them as well to not only just to not only just change their tax, but to change themselves as well, because we can't go back to doing what we used to do before the pandemic. It's just not going to run. Now, where this whole pay rise thing gets me is that we talk about often about who the players, what the players should be cutting, but we're not necessarily talking about, you know, the match day staff that really does need support. An interesting thing that I came up, uh, that I uh, came upon today was that the Arsenal supporters trust was really, really looking to make sure that not just their club, but also West Ham as well, um, help the caterers. They work for a company called Delaware North. Now, while it's within the purview of both West Ham and Arsenal to take care of their own match day stuff that they have on the books, because Delaware North is based in New York, they can't make that decision for them. So really, they have effectively and are still, as it stands, gone unpaid whilst everybody is being told to stay at home. I mean, these people have bills to pay. You know, I'm pretty sure some of them are being harassed by their landlords, whom, um, speaking of which, really quickly, um, everybody who has any power to help renters uh, tell their landlords where to go fuck themselves, please do it because, again, life is crucial. Money is not. So at the end of the day, um, I think 
we should really start looking at not just what's going on in the Premier League, but what's happening in the Championship. Like, there are a couple of clubs in the Championship who are on the brink of administration, Bolton being one of them. Um, what's going on with uh, clubs in League One and League Two, where, you know, the average wages in League One for a player is £2,000 per week? Yep. Like, I mean, you, you have to really start putting this in perspective. For a long time, we have been told, and I think this is something that the pandemic has exposed once again, for a long time that we've been told that these footballers don't deserve all this money to kick around the ball. And there's always been raging debates and things of that nature. Now the pandemic has come along, it's exposed who's really making out like bandits in this, in this crisis and who continues to profiteer and tell all of us where to go with it. And we're still banging on that the players have to take a pay cut i just it doesn't sit right with me like it does not sit right with me that we're demanding players take a pay cut before we've got the billionaires coughing up pretty much all of the tax revenue that they've evaded for the last 25 years so like let's be real i mean we should lay off the players if the players want to come together like the man united players did and give their 30 percent directly to the nhs perfect that's great um we love to see it but we should really see clubs step up. We should really see executives be stepping up here. Um, and I have not seen that from them at all. They've been dragging their feet on the issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, go, if, you, if you want to go ahead, I'll... No, 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 Sheldon, please. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, what, you, what you're saying is exactly it. I mean, I, the, the main thing is if we're going to be demanding anyone kind of pony up it's got to start with the owners you can't start with first of all something i've said i think i said in the whatsapp but i don't think i said it here on the podcast but the reality is that this is this pandemic is no one's fault um at least as it relates to the uh anyone outside of the person who was you know agent you know or patient number one as it were um but but this is no one's fault so everyone's dealing with something but the bottom line being is, is if we are going to demand and not uh, remark at the, you know, the giving nature of someone, um, you know, it should definitely start with the owners. Um, and the, you know, it, it is a, it's a tough situation because again, we live in, or many, well, particularly we're talking about, we're still talking about EPL and, and uh, other, you know, English divisions um, you know, we're living in a, you know, capitalist society and this, this like Western culture, yada, yada. And so there are a slew of things that we could go on and, and create multiple podcasts to talk about just unto itself. But the bottom line being is, is that, yeah, we appreciate players stepping up. Like I said, Hendo, uh, there's, there's players and teams doing stuff across the league in different ways. But if it, it it was really shocking to me for the players to be the ones that got the shame first. And I, like you said, it's not so much shocking, like, oh, my gosh, like, I could have never conceived of such a thing. As much as it was, you know, again, to borrow the same words, appalling, you know, because here it is, you, you looking at the maybe the most uh, visible of all these groups but not the most responsible. Um, and I don't, again, I don't mean as if they, the owners did something, but the ones who have the most responsibility and the most access to resources, whether that be direct financial resources or power influence to, you know, get the, you know, politicians and, you know, to, to enact laws and say, okay, everybody's, you know, rent or whatever for the next however many months. Uh, are, you know, don't even worry about it, right? Like they have that power and influence and that's what they should be wielding, wielding even if it isn't direct monetary, um, you know, contributions in that way. That's who we should be looking to first. And, you know, this is a bit of what I talked about in the WhatsApp group about like, what are these levers? How do we get folks to really, you know, move to change things? Because I think the last thing that I'll say, which is, you know, back to what Joseph was saying, and I think it's just the most important, or one of the most important things that we take out of this is that we definitively cannot go back to how it was. And 
that starts with pressuring people to do things that they took for granted and that we allowed ourselves, how, in ways we allowed ourselves to be taken advantage of before that we have to say, no, like this cannot go on in the same way um, going forward. Um, and so that's, you know, the, the biggest thing that, that uh, you know, I'll kind of end with. Uh, Jonathan, anything else you want to add before we uh, end the call or before we end the recording? Yeah, um, owners suck historically, <laughs> and they get everything that, that they deserve coming to them. And on that note, <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank he gave it the the uh, the um, coming to America. He's like, just just keep it nice and neat. He was like, really, <laughs> real, real simple, real simple. I like it. All right, go ahead. <laughs> that was a mic uh, drop moment, if I ever heard one. Pretty much. Um, so on that note, thank you again for uh, giving us the opportunity to uh, speak to you um, for, as, as members of the Banter Pub FC podcast. Uh, this has been a great opportunity for us to kind of introduce you to, the, to many of you to the Premier League um, to kind of talk about the COVID relief um, and how players and teams and the owners, uh, how, how players and teams are reacting and how the owners are doing nothing. Um, so yeah, uh, th thank you again for listening and, uh, stay tuned for next week. Yes.